Chapter 3 of the Richest Man in Babylon 7 Curse for a Lean Purse The glory of Babylon endures down through the ages. Its reputations come to us as the richest city. Its treasures as fabulous, yet it was not always so. The riches of Babylon were the result of the wisdom of its people. They first had to learn how to become wealthy. When the good king Sarjon returned to Babylon after defeating his enemy, the Elamites, he was confronted with a serious situation. The royal chancellor explained it to the king thus. After many years of great prosperity brought to our people, because your majesty built the great irrigation canals and the mighty temples of the god, now that this works has completed the people, seem unable to support themselves. The laborers are without employment. The merchants have few customers. The farmers are unable to sell their produce. The people have not enough gold to buy food. But where is all the gold gone that we spent for these great improvements? demanded the king. It was founded this way, I feared, responded the chancellor, into the possession of a few very rich men of our city. It filtered through the fingers of most of our people as quickly as the goat's mill goes through the strainer. Now that the stream of gold has ceased to flow, most of our people have nothing to do for their earnings. The king was thoughtful for some time. Then he asked, Why should so few people be able to acquire all the gold? Because they know how, replied the chancellor. One may condemn a man for succeeding because he knows how. Neither may one with justice take away from a man what he has fairly earned to give to man a less ability. But why? demanded the king. Should not all the people learn how to accumulate gold and therefore become themselves rich and prosperous? Quite possible, your excellency. But who can teach them? Certainly not the priests, because they know not of money making. Who knows best in all city how to become wealthy? Chancellor asked the king. The question answered itself, your majesty. Who has amassed the greatest wealth in Babylon? Well said, my able chancellor. It is Arket. He is richest man in the Babylon. Bring him before me on the tomorrow. Upon the following day, as the king has decreed, Arket appeared before him straight and spritely despite his three score years and ten. Arket spoke the king. Is it true thou art the richest man in Babylon? So it is reported your majesty, and no man dispute it. How became thou so wealthy? By taking advantage of opportunities available to all citizens of a good city. Thou hadst nothing to start with, only a great desire for wealth. Besides this, nothing. Arkit continued the king. Our city is very unhappy state because a few men know how to acquire wealth and therefore monopolize it. While the mass of our citizen lacks the knowledge of how to keep any part of the gold they receive. It is my desire that Babylon is the wealthiest city in the world. Therefore, it must be a city of many wealthy men. Therefore, we must teach all the people how to acquire riches. Tell me, Arkad, is there any secrets acquiring wealth? Can it be taught? It is practical, your majesty. That's which one man knows can be taught to others. The king's eyes glows. Arkad, thou speak the words I wish to hear. Will thou lend thyself, thyself to this king's cause? Will thou teach the knowledge to a child? To a school for teachers, each of whom shall teach others until there are no 
enough trend to teach this truth to everybody subject in my domain. Arket bowed and said, I am thy humble servant to command. Whatever knowledge I possess will I gladly give you the betterment of my fellow men and the glory of my king. Let your good chancellor arrange for me a class of one hundred men, and I will teach them those seven curses which did fatten my purse, then which were no longer dinner in old Babylon. A fortnight later, in compliance with the king's command, a chosen hundred assembled in the great hall of the temple of learning. Seated upon colorful rings in a semicircle, Arket sat beside a small taboret upon which smoked a sacred lamp, sending forth a strange and pleasing odor. Behold, the richest man in Babylon, whispered a student, nudging his network neighbor as Arket arose. He is but a man even as the rest of us. As a dutiful subject of our great king, Arket began, I stand before you in this service, because once I was poor youth who did greatly desire gold, and because I found knowledge that enabled me to acquire it, he asked that I impart to you my knowledge. I started my fortune in the humblest way. I had not advantage, not enjoyed as fully by you and every citizen in the Babylon. The first storehouse of my treasure was a well purse. I looted it with useless, useless emptiness. I desired it round and full, clinking with the sound of gold. Therefore I sought every remedy for a lean purse I found seven. To you who are assembled before me, shall I explain the seven curse of a lean purse which I do recommend to all people who desire much gold. Each day for seven days will I explain to you one of the seven remedies. Listen attentively to the knowledge that I will import. Debate it with me, discuss it among yourself. Learn this lesson throughout, that ye may also plant in your own purse the seed of wealth. First must each of you start wisely to build the fortune of his own. Then will thou be competent and only then to teach these truths to others. I shall teach to you in simple ways how to flatten your purse. This is the first step leading to the temple of wealth, and no man may climb who cannot plant his feet firmly upon the first step. We shall now consider the first cure. The first cure. Start the purse to fattening. Arcade addressed a thoughtful man in the second row. My good friend, at what craft workest thou? I replied, man, I must script and craft records upon the clay tablets. Even at such labor did I myself earn my first coppers, therefore thou hast the same opportunity to build a fortune. He spoke to a florid-faced man farther back. Prayer tell also, what dost thou to earn thy bread? I responded this man, I'm a meat butcher, I do buy the god the farmer's rice and kill them, and sell the meat to the housewife and hides to the sandal maker. Because thou dost also labor and earn, thou hast every advantage to succeed that I did possess. In this way did Arkit proceed to find out how each man labored to earn his living. When he had done questioning them, he said, Now, my student, ye can see that there are many threads and labors at which men may earn coins. Each of the coins of learning is stream of gold from which the worker doth divert by his labors a portion of his own purse. Therefore, into the purse of each of you flows a stream of coin 
large or small according to his ability. Is it not so? Thereupon they agreed it was so. Then continued Arket, If each of you desire to build for themself, himself a fortune is, it is not wise to start by utilizing the source of wealth which he had already has established. To this they are agreed. Then Arket turned to a humble man who had declared himself an egg merchant. If thou select only one of thy basket and put it in each morning ten eggs and take out from it each evening nine eggs, what will eventually happen? It will become in time overflowing. Why? Because each day I put in one more egg than I take out. Arket turned to the class with a smile. Does any man here have lean purse? First they look amused, then they laugh. Lastly, they wave their purse in jest. All right, he continued. Now I shall tell the first remedy I learned to cure a lean purse. Do exactly as I have suggested to the egg merchant. For every ten coins thou places within the purse, take out for use but nine. Thy purse will start to fatten at once, and its increasing weight will feel good in thy hands and bring satisfaction to thy soul. Deride not what I said because of its simplicity. Truth is always simple. I told thee I would tell how build my fortune. This was one beginning. I too carried a lean purse and cursed it because they were not within to satisfy my desire. But when I began to take out from my purse but nine parts from often I put it, it began to fatten. So will then. Now I will tell a strange truth. The reason for which I know not. When I cease to pay out more than nine tenths out of my earnings, I manage to get along just as well. I was not shorter than before. Also, ere long, did coins come to me more miserly than before. Surely it is a law of the gods that unto him who keep it and spend it not a certain part of all earnings shall gold come more easily. Likewise, him whose purse is empty does gold avoid. Which desirest thou the most? Is it the gratifications of thy desire of each day, a jewel, a bit of finery, better raiment, more food, things quickly gone and forgotten? Or is it the sustainable, substantial belongings, gold, land, hearts, merchandise, income bringing investment? The coins thou takest from thy purse bring thee force. The coins thou leavest within it will bring thee later. This, my student, was the first cure I did discover from my lean purse. For each ten coins I put in to spend but nine. Debate this among yourself. If any man proves it untrue, tell me upon the morrow that when, we'll see, when we will shall meet again. The second cure. Control thy expenditure. Some of your members, my student, have asked me this. How can a man keep one-tenth of all he earns in his purse when all the coins he earns are not enough for his necessary expenses? So did Arkad address his students upon the second day. Yesterday many of the carried lean purse, all of us, answered the class. Yet thou do not tell, do not all earn the same. Some earn much more than others. Some have much larger families to support. Yet all purses were equally lean. Now I will tell you the an unusual truth about men and sons of men. It is this, that 
what each of us call as necessary expenses will always grow to equal our income unless we protest to the contrary. Confuse not the necessary expenses with thy desire. Each of you together with your good families have more desire than your earning can gratify. Therefore are the earnings spent to gratify this desire insofar as they will go. Still thou retains many ungratified desire. All men are burdened with more desire than they can gratify. Because of my wealth thinkest thou I may gratify every desire. This is a false idea. There are limits to my time. There are limits to my strength. There are limits to the distance I may travel. There are limits to what I may eat. There are limits to the jazz with which I may enjoy. I say to you that just as weeds grow in the field wherever the farmer lives, space for their roots, even so freely to desire grow in men whenever there is possibility of their being gratified. Thy desire are multitude and those that thou mayest gratify are but few. Study thoughtfully thy accustomed habits of living. Herein may be most often found certain accepted expenses that may wisely be reduced or eliminated. Let thy motto be a 100 percent of the appreciated value demanded for each coal, each coin spent. Therefore engrave upon the clay each things for which thou desire to spend. Select those that are necessary and others that are possible through the expenditure of nine-tenths of the income. Cross out the rest and consider them but a part of that great multitude of desire that must go unsatisfied and regret them not. Budge then the necessary expenses. Touch not the one stand that is fattening their purse. Let this by the great desire that is being fulfilled. Keep working with thy budgets. Keep adjusting to help thy. Make it thy first assistant in defending thy fattening purse. Hereupon one of my students wearing a robe of red and gold arose and said, I am a free man. I believe that it was my right to enjoy the good things in life. Therefore do I rebel against the slavery of a budget which determines how much I may spend for what, for what I feel. It would take much more pleasure from my life and make me little more than a peg as to carry a burden. To him Arcad replied, Who, my friends, would determine thy budget? I would make it for myself, responded the protesting one. In that case, where a peg acts to budget his burden, would he include therein jewels and rock and heavy bars of gold? Not so, he would include high and grains and a bag of water for the desert trail. The purpose of a budget is to help the purse to fatten. It is to assist the to have any necessities insofar as attainable the other desire. It is to enable they to realize the most cherished desire by defending them from the casual wishes, like a bright light in a dark cave. Thy budget shows up the leaks from thy purse and enable thy to stop them and control the expenditure for definite and gratifying purpose. This then is the second cure for a lean purse budget thy expenses that thou mayest have coins to pay for necessity, to pay for the enjoyment and to gratify thy worthwhile desire without spending more than 19 of thy earnings. The third cure. Make thy goal multiply. Behold, the lean purse is fattening. Thou hast disciplined thyself to live there in one tenth of all thou earns. Thou hast controlled thy expenditures to protect by growing treasure. Next, we will consider means to put the treasure to labor and to increase.
Goal in a purse is gratifying to own and satisfied to misery soul but earns nothing. The goal we may retain from our earning is but the start. The earning it will make shall build our fortunes. So spoke Arket upon the third day to this his class. How therefore may we put our goal to work? My first investment was unfortunate, for I lost all. It's still I will relate later. My first profitable investment was a loan I made to a man named Agar, a seed maker. Once each year did he buy a large shipment to branch brought from across the sea to use his trade. Lacking sufficient capital to buy the merchants, he would borrow from those who had extra coins. He has an honorable man. He was an honorable man. His borrowing he would repay together with his liberal rental as he sold his seals. Each time I loaned to him, I loaned back to also the rental he had paid to me. Therefore, not only did my capital increases, but its earning likewise increases. Most gratifying was it to have these sums returned to my purse. I tell you, my students, a man's wealth is not in his coins he carries in his purse. It is the income he builds in, the golden stream that continually flow into his purse and keep it always bulging. This is what every man's desire. This is what thou each one of the thy desire. An income that continued to come whether you walk or travel. Great income I have acquired, so great that I am called a very rich man. My loans to Agar were my first training in profitable investment. Gaining wisdom from this experience, I extended my loan and investment as my capital increased. From a few sources at first, from many sources later, flowed into my purse a golden stream of wealth available for such vices use as I should decide. Behold, from my humble earnings, I have begotten a horde of golden slaves, each laboring and earning more golds as they labored for me. So their children also labored and their children's children until great was the income from their combined effort. Gold increases rapidly when making reasonable earnings, as thou will see from the following. A farmer, when his first son was born, took ten pieces of silver to a money lender and asked him to keep it on a rental for his son until he became twenty years of age. This the money lender did and agreed the rental should be one fourth of its value each four years. The farmer asked, because this sum he had set aside belonging to his son, that the rental be added to the principal. When the boy had reached the age of twenty years, the farmer again went to the money lender to inquire about the silver. The money lender explained, because this sum had been increased by compound interest, the original ten pieces of silver has grown to thirty and one half pieces. The farmer was pleased, well pleased, and because the son did not need the coins, he left them with the money lender. When the son became fifty years of age, the father, meantime, having passed to other world, the money lender paid the son in settlement one hundred and sixty-seven pieces of silver. Thus, in fifty years, had the investment multiplied itself at rental almost seventeen times. This then is the third cure for a lean purse to put each coin to laboring that it may reproduce its kind even as the flocks of the field and help bringing in their income a stream of wealth that shall flow constantly into their purse. The fourth income guard thy treasure from loss, misfortunes laugh a sinking mark. Goals in a man's purse must be guarded 
with firmness, else it will be lost. Thus, it is advised that we must first secure small amounts and learn to protect them, them before the God entrusts us with larger. So spoke Arket upon the four days to his class. Every owner of gold is tempted by opportunities, whereby it would seem that he could make large sum by its investment in most pleasurable projects. Often friends and relatives are eagerly entering such investment and urge him to follow. The first sound principle of investment is security for the principal. Is it wise to be intrigued by larger earnings when the principal may be lost? I said not. The penalty of risk is probable loss. Study carefully. Before parting with thy treasure, each assurance that it may be safely reclaimed. Be not misled by thy own romantic desire to make wealthy rapidly. Before the loan, it is an man's assure thyself of his ability to repay and his reputation for doing so. That thou mayest, mayest not unfittingly to be making him a presence of thy hard earned treasure. Before thou interest, it is an investment in the any field acquaint thyself with a danger which may beset my own force. Investment was a tragedy to meet me at that time. The guarding saving of ear I did entrust to a brickmaker named Ajmer, who was traveling over the far seas and in Tyre, agreed to buy for me the rare jewels of Phoenicians. This we would sell upon his return and divide the profits. The Phoenicians was scoundrels and sold him bits of glass. My treasures was lost. Today my training would show me at once the folly of entrusting a brickmaker to buy jewels. Therefore, I do advise thee, from the wisdom of my experience, not to be too confident of thine own wisdom in entrusting thy treasures to the possible pitfalls of investment. Better by far to consult the wisdom of those experienced in handling money for profit. Such advice is freely given for this asking and may readily possess a value equal in gold to the some thou considerest investing. In truth, such is its actual value if it saved thee from loss. This then is the fourth cure for a lean purse and of great importance if it prevent the purse from beginning emptied and once again has become well filled. Guard the trace from loss by investing only where the principle is safe, where it may be reclaimed if desirable and where thou will not fail to collect a fair rental. Consult with wise men, secure the advice of those experienced in the profitable handling of gold. Let their wisdom protect their treasure from unsafe investment. The fifth cure. Make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. If a man set aside nine parts of his earning upon which to live and enjoy life, and if any part of other nine parts he can turn into profitable investment without deter detriment to his well-being, then so much faster will his treasure grow. So spark arcade to his class at their fifth lesson. All two of my, our men of Babylon do raise their families in unseemly quarters. They do pay to exacting landlords, laborers, renters for room, where their wives have not a spot to raise their blooms that gladden a woman's heart and their children have no place to play their ex game except in the unclean allies. No man's family No man's family can fully enjoy life unless they do have a plot of 
ground wherein children can play in the clean earth and where the wife may rise raise not only blossom but good rich herbs to feed her family to a man's heart it's bring gladness to eat the figs wigs from his own trees and the grapes of his own vines to own his own domiciles and to have is it a place he he is proud to care of put it confidence in his arts and greater efforts behind all his endeavors therefore do i recommend that every man owns the roof that sheltered him and his nor is it beyond the ability of any well intentioned man to own his home had not our great king so widely extended the walls of babylon that within them much land is now forted unused and may be purchased at some most reasonable also i say to you my student that the money lenders gladly consider the desire of men who seek homes and land for their families readily may thou borrow to pay the brick makers and the builder for such commendable purpose if thou can so a reasonable persons of the necessary sum which thou themselves had provided for the purpose then when the house is built thou can pay the money lender with the same regularity of thou didst pay the landlord because each payment will reduce the indebtedness of the money lender a few years will satisfy his loan thy will thy heart be glad because thou will own in the thy own